Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The majority of turkey hunting failures are caused by three things. And on this episode, I'm going to give you a strategy that can help even the newest turkey hunter take a gobbler out of the woods. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and bringing new insights to all hunters. I'm your host, George Kanitas, and today I've got a foolproof strategy for people that are brand new turkey hunters or people that are just bad at turkey hunting. Now, nobody wants to raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm bad at turkey hunting. Help me. What do I do? Nobody wants to be that person. Nobody identifies as somebody that's bad at turkey hunting. And what does it even mean to be bad at turkey hunting? Well, it means to not succeed, to not take turkeys out of the woods, to blow opportunities to take turkeys out of the woods. I'd say that's probably the single biggest factor blowing opportunities again and again and leaving season after season without a turkey. And so there are reasons though why this happens. There are reasons why turkey hunts end in failure. And there's three big reasons. There are many, many countless small reasons that could be it or could be a part or a variable. But there's three big reasons and many of the other ones will fall under these reasons. All right, these are the primary things that blow up turkey hunts and that cause failures in the turkey woods. And I'm going to give you a strategy here, a, a particular style and way of hunting that can help you almost eliminate two of the three of these. And if you can just get close on the third one, you will have very good odds at getting your first turkey or making your first foray into turkey hunting and building out your skill set and success rate. So let's jump into it. 
All right, number one reason why turkey hunts fail or why turkey hunters end the season without a turkey, and that is there are no turkeys where they're hunting. All right, this is the one I can't fix for you. This is the one you've got to fix. The next two, I'm going to give you a strategy to fix those. But you've got to hunt where there are turkeys. If there's no turkeys, nothing else matters. I've done whole episodes on scouting, whole episodes on finding turkeys. What do you do? How do you locate them? But you've got to locate turkeys. Now, to get those episodes, you just head to the website, newhuntersguide.com, go to categories, hit turkey hunting, and then you can look down there under scouting strategies and find years and years worth of episodes and content on this subject for turkey hunting tons of stuff there. And while you're there, why don't you go ahead and just send me an email, send me a message through the website. Would love to hear from you. I respond to every inquiry. Would love to hear questions, comments, feedback. Would love to see pictures of your successful turkey hunt this season or last season or next season. Would just, you know, love hearing from everybody. But you've got to find turkeys. There's got to be turkeys there to hunt. No turkeys, you're not taking a turkey. Doesn't matter what else you do. Doesn't matter what gear you have. Doesn't matter what shotgun you have. Doesn't matter what kind of shells you're using. Doesn't matter if you've got TSS paired with an ultra-tight choke with a red dot or a 10-power scope and you can shoot out to 100 yards. None of it matters if there are no turkeys. So you've got to find turkeys. You've got to invest time scouting. Now, if you don't have time to get out in the woods and go scouting, then you go hunting. Because every time you're hunting, you're scouting. And the way this often works is people start off the season with basically no chance unless they just have blind luck and, and come upon a place where there's turkeys. But the further you go, the more days you hunt, you ought to be hearing turkeys, you ought to be finding sign, you ought to be exploring, you ought to be dialing it in so that after a couple of weeks, you are able to locate turkeys and start hunting in an area where there's turkeys. Now, I don't like to do it that way. I would rather scout before the season and go in on opening day when I believe you have the best odds of success, at least in where I hunt in Pennsylvania, and go in on opening day and the woods are quiet, the woods are calm, these turkeys haven't been spooked or pushed or nothing. And I think that's when you've usually got the best chance of success. So I want to find the turkeys before the season. But if you can't or you didn't, or you're listening to this and your season's already underway, well then you need to go out and hunt and scout at the same time. Now some people say, well you know, hunt in the morning, scout in the afternoon. Well... Okay, yeah, sure, if you're out, but if you're hunting, you're always scouting. For me, there's no such thing as a turkey hunt where I'm not scouting, or I'm not listening, or I'm not watching, or I'm not looking for sign, where I'm not trying to figure out where these turkeys are, where their movements are, what their habits and patterns are, where they've been and where they're going to be next. That is every single time I walk into the woods hunting turkeys. And if I'm going to go out, it's going to be for a hunt. It's not just going to be out to you know, let's just take the afternoon and go scouting. Well, no, I'll hunt and maybe I'll scout too. But I find afternoon scouting, if I can't shoot them, I don't want to be out there with them. I don't want to be pushing them. I don't want to risk spooking them. I don't want to risk messing things up if I'm not able to be hunting them. And so that's just me. You know, I'm not saying that's the best way to do it, but for my motivation 
if I'm in the woods, I want to be in the woods with a shotgun. Even if my primary focus is scouting, I still want to be able to take a shot if I'm able to find one, call them up, bring them in, whatever the case may be. And so that's what gets me excited to scouting with a shotgun when you can hunt them. And so I'm not a big fan of trying to scout in the afternoon. In some places, you're not allowed to do that. Hunters need to be out of the woods by a certain time. And so you're not necessarily supposed to go back in. Depends on where you are and what your local laws and jurisdiction are and all of those things. But find turkeys, okay? Number one thing you can do. Nothing else matters if you're not hunting in an area where there are turkeys. So that's the number one reason why turkey hunts fail. Number two reason why turkey hunts fail is calling. Well, actually, they're not, these are not necessarily in order. Let's just say that. I'm not necessarily putting them in order. Number one is definitely number one. But the second reason is calling. All right, bad calling or more frequently, more often than anything else, too much calling. All right, if you call incessantly, too much, nonstop, you are going to do yourself more harm than good. You have got to minimize your calling. You have got to, to not overdo it. You know, you can do some heavy duty calling at dawn. When all the hens are calling and when they're loud, you match their intensity. All right. But half hour later, hour later, that intensity has waned and so should yours. In fact, oftentimes yours should wane faster. And then people will just call every five minutes until noon. Guys, that just doesn't work. That's not realistic. That's not the way turkeys are. Sometimes you can have a gobbler coming in. And he gets hung up and gets confused and gets spooked and just leaves because you're just calling ridiculously. Now, people talk so much about you got to be a good caller and you got to really be skillful and you got to know your turkey calls and all of this. I've done episodes on that too. You can go back and find them. I use what I call the 80-20 rule. 80% of your success is going to come from 20% of your call skills. All right. If the basics are going to produce 80% of your results, you know, the Yelp is going to be the majority of it. The cluck and the purr, 80%, all right? That 80% of your results. Now, can you go further? Can you get better? You absolutely can. You can learn more calls, more skills, more techniques. You can get better at it. You can get better at using a mouth call. You can do all sorts of things but that's going to be 80% of the work to only get 20% of the results. And so even a new hunter with a couple hours of practice calling can go into the woods and get 80% of the benefit with call skills if you don't over call or call at the wrong time. And so you got to back down the calling. Call less. All right? It's just... When in doubt, call less. You're thinking, well, should I call again? Yeah, it's been a whole four minutes. No, no, you shouldn't call again. It's not realistic. Now you get into, okay, well, you got to match. You got to read the gobbler and then you got to call based on how he's responding to you. And that's all once you found a turkey, called, got a turkey to respond to you. You're already miles ahead by that point. We're backing up even before that. 
all right just not overdoing it not pushing off birds but once you do have a turkey responding and say he's responding hot and heavy and he's coming in well then what you want to do is call more right well no actually that's not what you want to do because the way turkeys operate is that gobbler expects the hen to come to him he closes the distance to get close enough to the hen so that she can see him and hear him and then once he's close enough for that hen to see him and hear him he starts to strut and gobble and expects her to come to him the reason the turkey's going to come all the way to you is because you stop calling and he's not sure where, where that hen went so he's going to go to the last place he heard her and look around and listen and try to figure out what direction that she went in and then he might gobble he might strut some but he's trying to get that hen to respond or come to him and if you keep calling and he gets within close proximity but still out of shotgun range and you just keep calling well he knows okay you're right over there maybe you're behind that tree maybe you're right somewhere close by but now he's gonna start trying to coax you to come to him because that's what happens that's the normal order of nature now sometimes they will just come straight in find the hen and try to mate with her that happens all right there's no such thing as always with turkeys or turkey hunting there is no always but the general course of nature is for those hens to come to him once he makes himself known and once he gets close enough for her to see or hear him, he's going to expect her to come to him. He may sometimes come in anyway. We love those times. But he's going to expect the hen to come to him. So you need to stop calling and make it seem like he that hen has maybe wandered off a little bit. And he's then going to come into the last place he heard her, which is within range of your shotgun, and give you a shot. All right, that is the way it normally happens. This is also a reason why I'm cautious about using decoys. And that is because bird's coming in, he sees the decoy, he knows right where that hen is, and now he just starts to gobble and strut waiting for her to, to get his attention and come in. Now you might say, well, you know, I use a, a decoy with a Jake or a Tom all the time, and, you know, the turkeys will often come right in. Yeah, they're coming in, to fight with that decoy if it's a boss gobbler he's going to come in and try to push off that jake or try to push off that subordinate gobbler if he's not a boss gobbler well those decoys could actually scare him off because if he doesn't want to fight he's not going to come in and so you got different forces at work this is that's a whole episode in and of itself an episode which i have done and you should go back and listen to it but the idea here guys is with calling you want to get that bird to come to where you are and to do that you're gonna have to stop calling at some point one he's just gonna see you calling if he gets close enough and you're still calling it's gonna be over but two if he gets too close and you keep calling there's a good chance he's gonna hang up he's gonna get hung up and just not going to come in all the way. So you got to be careful that you don't overcall and you don't call too much. You know, maybe you, you switch from your excited yelps to some very soft, quiet, um, you know, just barely audible purrs and so on. 
and he can hear something somewhere but isn't sure where it is and he's going to come investigate because if there's a hot hen that wants to mate and he gobbles and struts that hen should come right to him that's what he's expecting and if you're the hen that's not so hot and he might try to warm you up. So he may come in. He might come a little closer. He might come looking a little bit more. And these are just so many factors. All right. There's so much here. Probably too much for a first time hunter to even digest. But the bottom line is this. Call sparingly. And if you get his attention and he's coming in and he's closing distance, you need to stop calling. Stop calling and get ready. So this is one of the big mistakes people make. And this is the this is the easiest one to fix, right? All you have to do is nothing and you can improve your odds, right? You call less, you get his attention, he starts coming in. What do you do? Nothing. Be quiet. Disappear. Don't be don't be there to to be heard, all right? You got to stop. Number three thing that blows up turkey hunts, that, that, that costs hunters turkeys and costs them opportunities, and this is probably bigger than the calling one actually, but not being stealthy enough. People can be so careless in the woods, talking to their buddy, walking in, just making all kinds of racket, all kinds of noise, breaking sticks, breaking branches, building forts and blinds. Guys, you gotta be quiet. Stealth is absolutely key for turkey hunting. You have got to be stealthy. You can't have any of this high volume, high level talking, moving around. Especially as you start to get into the area where the turkeys can be, you want to be a ghost. You don't want to make a noise. You don't want to step on a leaf. I don't care if it's before dawn. You want to be as quiet as absolutely possible. And if it's the middle of the day or middle of the morning and you're hunting, stealth matters so much. And it's not just walking and being quiet. You've got to be still. The number one thing that busts hunters is movement. All right? You just, you're moving, you're stretching your head, you're stretching your legs. You're twisting and adjusting your position because your rear end hurts. Movement is the number one thing that's going to get you busted. And here's the thing. You won't even know you were busted. That bird could be anywhere around. Catches movement and just disappears. You didn't even know he was there. All right. Sometimes they come in goblins. Sometimes, you know, you know right where they are and then you can be still for that five minutes but so many opportunities are lost because you were not a you were not on guard. You did not know that he was even coming in, and turkey came in, saw you, and disappeared, and you didn't even know it happened. So being still, being quiet, is massively important. Now, stealth is a learned skill. I can't just tell you go into the woods tomorrow and be stealthy. I mean, I can say it. But your ability to act upon that recommendation is limited. It requires practice. It requires experience. You've got to work on it. You've got to develop it over weeks and months and years and seasons to become stealthy, to move quiet, to sit still. You know, you can just try to work really hard at it and you will make some results, but it comes with time. 
And so that's not something that you can just, boom, do and be great at. However, there are aids. There are shortcuts. There are things you can do to make up for this. And the big recommendation and strategy that I have for you today, guys, is to consider a ground blind. All right? If, if you're one, you're like, man, I am not a good turkey hunter. I keep blowing opportunities. I keep blowing chances. I just, I'm not having any success. I would recommend you try hunting out of a ground blind. I really would. Pop up blind, you know, little camo tents is what they look like if you're not familiar with them. They do cost a little money. The cheapest ones on the planet start at around $60, but you don't really get anything that's even worth using until you get up more to the $100, $140 range. But in that price range, you can find some pretty good stuff. And it all comes down to if you can find an area where turkeys are, set up a ground blind. Find a spot with a little field of view where the turkeys are likely to be, where you know that they are, set up a ground blind, get in there, and this is going to do a huge amount to mitigate the, the, the noise and the movement. All right, you can sit on a chair, you don't have to sit on the ground, you definitely want to get a quiet chair. They make special blind chairs that are just for this purpose. Of course, those aren't cheap either. You don't need them. You can buy your own chair, bring your own chair, some kind of quiet. So you could sit on a bucket, all right? Anything beats the ground. You can put a cushion on a bucket and that's all you need. Get in there and you. this will absolutely help masking movement. Now, I prefer, if I'm going to use a blind, to hunt with the mesh on, all right? Some of them have mesh windows. You can move the, remove the mesh, slide it up, slide it down. I prefer to leave the mesh on. And then what I will do is I will hunt with the mesh on and I will wear camo. I will even wear a camo face mask. So you have camo mesh with camo behind the mesh. And what this does is it really makes it hard to see you through the mesh. And this can obscure movement so well and then if you ever need to leave the blind because there's a turkey a couple hundred yards that way and he's not coming this way and you want to move in closer to set up, you just go because you're already decked out and ready to do that. I don't want to be limited to the blind, but at the same time, a blind can be a really good tool if you are just not having good success. Find the perfect spot, set up a blind, get in there and just be quiet. Call a little bit and be quiet. Call a little bit and just be alert. Just be looking for the gobblers that come in that don't make a sound, that don't gobble first. Hunting out of a blind can absolutely be an equalizer in the right situations. And even in the wrong situations, your odds can still be better if your stealth is not good, if you're not able to stay still, if you're not able... To, to hunt from the ground well, you know, a blind can still give you better odds otherwise. Because if you just, if you get busted every time you hunt, well, nothing matters. You're better off with a blind, even in a, a less than ideal situation or scenario. Now, 
I like to use blinds if I'm hunting in more of an open area. If I'm hunting in, you know, the edge of a field or the middle of a field or a big clearing in the woods or private land when there's only a couple acres, right? You got three acres you can hunt. Well, what are you going to do? Well, find the best spot on those three acres and put a blind there. Because that's the best thing you can do when hunting small property. You can't move anyway. Where are you going to go? There, there's, there's nowhere you can go. You're better off being invisible, having absolute stealth, than you are you know, being able to move 30 yards this way or that way and get busted by that one gobbler that comes in silently. Now, a blind can be a good tool. It's not my favorite way to hunt turkeys, but it is definitely an effective way to hunt turkeys and if you haven't got the stealth piece mastered, it can maybe be the best way for you to hunt turkeys while you're learning and building and growing in those areas. So even if it's the middle of the woods, you can still put a blind up, set up a blind. Typically, you, you want to have at least half of the windows closed, right? Because you don't want to be silhouetted. So you can open up the front and half of each side, or you can open up two corners and then you sit back in the dark corner and whatever, you know, whatever, something like that. You're like, what if the turkey comes in from behind? Yeah, they might. But what if they come from behind when you're sitting against the tree? There's nothing you can do. And so often they will loop around in front of the blind within visual range looking for the hen. And if you want to use some decoys, if you want to put a hen out, you know, 15, 20 yards in front of you, right in the middle of your shooting range, or, you know, put a hen and a jake or whatever you want to do to, to, you know, try to use that strategy, then you can absolutely do that. But a blind, guys, can really be an equalizer for new hunters or for people that are not good at staying still. I mean, you can sit in there, you can move your hands, you can move your feet, you can stretch, you can do all kinds of things. You can even get up from time to time and stretch your legs. Just, you want to make sure that you, whatever you do, that your feet are quiet in there. So if there's lots of crunchy leaves, brush those out of there before you set up the blind. If whatever ground you're sitting on, you want to be super quiet so you don't make any noise. You can also bring in lots of gear. You can leave it in the blind. You don't have to worry about hiding it. You know, when I go out into the woods hunting turkeys on the move, I don't take a backpack. But if I'm going into a blind, I will, because why not? The blind's going to hide my equipment. I don't have to worry about hiding it when I'm going to set up or having extra stuff that I got to carry around. So there's pros to that. There are cons, but at the same time, you got to think about it. What are your weaknesses? If the blind can make up for those weaknesses and improve your odds, improve your chances, then it is absolutely a strategy you should consider. I wouldn't hunt in a blind 100% of the time. You still need to stretch those other muscles. You still need to develop those other skills. But a blind can really be something that can make a massive difference. Now, what brand? What kind of blind do you want? Well, Guys, here's what I have learned. I have I've been through several hunting blinds over the years for turkey and deer hunting, and uh, I don't have a favorite brand. I have not found one yet where I thought that is the one. I've never yet bought one that I would buy the same one again. And they only last so long. You only get so much use out of them. 
I've tried it multiple ways. I've tried taking the blind and setting it up before the season and then taking it down after the season. I've tried leaving the blind up year round. Which way works better? Eh, guys, I really, I don't know that I can tell you one way is drastically better than the other, to be absolutely honest with you. Now, some people would say, well, George, leaving the blind up year round absolutely has to make it wear out faster. Well, guys, here's the thing. The number one thing that wears out these pop-up hunting blinds is putting them up and taking them down because they're all cheap. Even the, even the expensive ones, the material's only so thick, the, the joints and the seams and the poles and the springs are only so strong. Taking them up and putting them down puts more wear and tear on the blind, in my experience, than just leaving it up. And so, you know, if, leaving it up, I've found that can work better unless tree branches fall on them or trees fall over on them or you get heavy ice and heavy snow they can collapse the blind which in and of itself is not a huge problem unless it there's so much of it that it tears the fabric and tears at the seams and that's that can happen and they they wear out they just don't last that long if you can get three seasons out of a ground blind whether it's turkey deer or anything i think you've done pretty well that I think is about the, the 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 best life expectancy you can hope for, whether you're setting it up or tearing it down, or whether you leave it up year round. I have done both, and I have found that uh, it's just inconclusive which way is better. So you do whatever fits you best. Obviously, if it's public land, you can't just leave it up year round, right? So whatever works for you, you do that. But I, guys, I have not found a brand or even a model that I'm like, this is great. I've found some that I like more than others. I've got some that I like attributes of it more than others. You know, I have one right now that I use that's a baronet something or other, you know, five person or something. And the person number on these blinds is just fictional. It means nothing. You need to look at the footprint. So... You know, is it a 40-inch footprint? Is it a 50-inch footprint? Is it a 60-inch footprint? How big is the blind? Is it a 70, 80, or 90-inch footprint? That's going to let you know how big it is. The number of humans that the manufacturers say can fit in, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Okay, it's just fictional. You need to look at what are the dimensions of the blind. I like a bigger blind, even for just hunting solo. So I've got room to maneuver a shotgun. Like I said, I hunt with the mesh up. So the shotgun barrel stays inside of the blind. I don't put the barrel out of the blind. And of course, doing that, I always wear ear protection. I've always got my Tetras in. Never want to fire a shotgun fully enclosed inside of a blind without ear protection. Even if it's just fabric, that can, that can really cause that sound to reverberate. So I always wear ear protection when doing that. If you don't have ear protection, well, you should have ear protection. But if you don't, or you forgot it that day, or you leave it at home, then you probably definitely want to hunt with the mesh down and stick your barrel outside of the blind to pull the trigger. I don't like to do that, though, because I feel like that, that gives the turkey an opportunity to spot me. So I wear ear protection. And of course, I, they're the Tetras. They're electronic. I can hear everything that's going around. I can hear the turkey. I can hear the turkey walking. And then when I pull the trigger, it becomes instantaneous earplugs. Um, and 
just works great. I've done full reviews on them, video, article. You can head to the website, newhuntersguide.com, to read reviews. I've got a discount code there, everything else. They work phenomenal. Best thing I've ever seen, found, or heard of um, for the job, and not just turkey hunting, but all hunting. I wear them more for waterfowl hunting than anything, but they work great for turkey hunting in a blind. But anyway, me, I like a big blind. I like a lot of space, so I can swing that shotgun and keep it inside of the blind. You want a smaller one? Great. Smaller's cheaper. It's a lot easier to go that way. And what I was saying is I have a baronet blind that's huge. It's one of the biggest ones I've ever gotten. Got it on sale. Got a great price on it. It's really nice in some ways. It is super heavy duty. The fabric is really strong. It's very robust. It holds up really well. It's very thick, weather resistant, snow resistant, wind resistant. It's the strongest blind I think I've ever used. But whoever designed it, it has this zip up door and these zip up windows. And so just to get into it and then close it and then open the windows makes so much noise, I utterly hate it. And so despite it being the strongest, most robust blind I've ever used, I would never buy it again because it's so noisy. And no matter how slow you work those zippers, they are still louder than I want them to be, especially the ones for the windows. So then you got to come in before the season starts, open all the windows that you want open, set it all up the way you want it. But then you still got to zip and unzip the door. And I don't just want to leave it unzipped the whole time because then, you know, Animals can get in there, make their home there. We'll do whatever they want to do. Turkeys walking by can see you sitting in there. You got to zip it up. And so, ah, it's a mess. I've got another blind. It's a rhino blind. Uh, I don't know, 600 or something. Supposed to be their heaviest duty blind that they make. It sucks. It is not heavy duty at all. It is utterly weak. The fabric is nothing compared to the baronet blind. It continually caves in, even under like a quarter inch of snow, wind, rain. Never while I was sitting in it, but you know, you just go back and find it. It's always collapsed, which is usually fine. It pops back open. There's tears in it, so I can patch the tears. How do you patch a tear in a blind? I ought to do a whole episode on this. Easy. You go to Walmart or Ollie's or something. You get a super cheap tarp for $3. Doesn't matter how big it is. Three by three foot tarp. You cut a square out, you get some UV or some 3M UV 5400 uh, marine grade sealant or the 4000 marine grade sealant, either one, the 5400 or the 4000. And you just coat that piece of, of patch, of tarp patch in the sealant and just stick it on there nice and strong, real strong patch, weatherproof, actually stronger than the material it's patching it by the end of the day. Works great. So I got this Rhino blind and the reason I bought it, cause I was at a show and the guy working the booth told me that they have one of these set up in a field for five years, have never taken it down, hasn't faded, hasn't lost its color, still just every bit as good as it was the day they put it up. And I thought, Hey, blind that'll last five yards or five years in a field without taking it down. That's the one I want. Well, they were full of baloney. Things started to fade I mean, by the end of the first year. Now it's like more white than camo. 
It always collapses. It's supposed to be their thickest, strongest one. You know, I can't imagine what the weak one's like. But that's their thickest, strongest one. Always collapses. But, but, it's the best blind they've ever used from a stealth factor. Right? To get in, there's these little clips that hold the door closed on this uh, one of the tent poles or whatever it is. I don't even know. But I can work it in the dark. It's completely quiet, utterly silent, works great. The windows just slide exactly how you'd want them to slide. They make almost no sound at all. You can slide the mesh at the same time. Works really good. You can get in and out of it without making any noise. You can open the windows and even the mesh if you want without making hardly any noise at all. Utterly genius, brilliant design. Right, So it's like if I could take these two blinds, the Baronet and the Rhino, take the best features of each, put them into one blind, I'd have the ultimate. But I've not yet found the ultimate. And here's what I've learned. just You got to just buy what you can buy. Whatever's in your budget, whatever fits your specs, whatever you're able to get, knowing that in a couple years you're going to get another one because they only last so long. And I, you know, I don't want to spend too much money on one because I know they, they're like, you know, they are a disposable commodity. They're a perishable good. That's the better way to say it. Ground blinds are perishable. So if you spend 80 or 100 bucks on a blind and you can use that for three years of turkey and deer season, I think that you have got a great deal. You are going to get your, that's your, that's, that is the definition of getting your money's worth. You know, at least two seasons you've got to get. Otherwise, it's a problem. You know, if you don't get two seasons out of a blind, I feel like that's just, you know, you ought to take it up with the manufacturer because that just shouldn't happen. But three seasons, if you can get three, you've done pretty well. Again, whether you leave it up or take it down, three seasons is doing pretty good. And so, yeah, it is an extra expense to get a blind. You're talking about sinking another hundred bucks into gear to get a blind to hunt out of that. You need something to sit on, but a bucket will work. And so you do have that extra cost, that extra expense. But like I said, you can hunt lots of things out of it. You should be able to get multiple seasons from it. And I really think it can increase your effectiveness by mitigating the stealth issue to a great degree. And so that is what I would recommend if you're having that problem. Find turkeys, set up a blind, call sparingly, and just be quiet inside the blind. And your odds are going to improve significantly. And I could go on and on about blinds and brands and my experiences, but the bottom line is I usually tell people, get something that's the size you need, the cheapest price you can get, for something that has decent reviews look for stuff that's on sale there's always something on sale big box stores online amazon you know do whatever you need to do and the further in advance you can get it the better get it off season or right after the season when the prices go down and then that's just a good thing to have in your repertoire. So guys, I hope this is helpful for you. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes for this episode, all the other information about turkey hunting, all those episodes. Till next time, guys, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you, and go get them in the woods.